Hello and welcome at Jim Bobcast Christmas Special. Merry Christmas to I one am all. Jim. And I am the festively <laughs> Bob. How are you doing, peeps? Happy Christmas. Boxing Merry Day Christmas. morning. Here we are. Well, it's not Boxing Day morning when we're recording this, but it will be when we're coming in your ears. Oh, I love Christmas. I enjoy Christmas a lot. It is the best time of the year, as Andy Williams once said, the most wonderful time of the year. It is, and uh, now having uh, two children, a three and a half and a six-year-old, they are fully Christmas out of their brains. So you get to do it all again. I remember sort of 30-plus years ago unwrapping my Sabutio and things like this. Uh, my son this year uh, is getting a Scale Electric. I remember my first Scale Electrics. I so Yeah, phenomenal game. So I am really, really ready for Christmas. So what are we going to talk about then? Tell us. Give us give us the list. So we have, we are the kings of Emirates are. We are, the kings of Emirates are. Our top 10 players of Arsenal time, of the Emirates era. We have a not-so-secret Santa. The greatest. Myself and Bob will talk about the best Arsenal player of all time. Christmas in its... Um, entirety. We'll just talk about Christmas, won't we? We just will have a Christmas chatter. And then we'll finish up with some um, some New Year's resolutions. For Arsenal. For Arsenal and ourselves. And perfect. That's perfect. It's a slightly shorter episode. It's an upbeat episode. There's a lot of love. There's a lot of festive. There's a lot of cheer. And yeah, crack on, Bob. So we, the Kings of Emirates are, we've basically gone back through and looked at all of the players that have played for Arsenal in the Emirates area era and they've done something of substance during that period of time so before we start notable absentees from this list Thierry Henry is not on this list he played for Arsenal in the Emirates but for a season it was uh, and it was actually a reduced season due to an injury I believe as well yeah that was his final season for Arsenal so we're going to start off and we're going to do it 10 to 1 another noticeable absentee for me was um well I want to give some love to Eduardo. His Arsenal career was taken from him. He was a fine player when he played. Um, and Thomas Rizicki mainly. Yeah. So let's have a look at yours then. So we're going to go 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. So you have got at number 10, Sami Nasri, a controversial pick, one might say. Uh, I mean, in his form and before the debacle with Manchester City, he was a fine player, Sami Nasri. I mean, very two-footed. Some very good play. Brilliant player. Oh, I mean, the the goal in the Champions League straight from a throw-in from Bakary Sagna, just jinking and jiving and then just dialing it into the far corner of the... Oh, some goal. And then the two goals against Fulham in the 2-0 win, the one where he sort of took it around every single player and then just on the turn, just... I mean, mm-hmm. I think he. Oh, I can. There's a lot of love for. Oh, the goal against Man United at Old Trafford, phenomenal goal. I mean, I think that might have been before this time, the last time we beat them. Yeah. So, Nasri was a fine player. It was very tough for me to leave some players out, but I um I got to see him play a lot live, and uh, he was an exceptional footballer. Uh, so moving to number nine, you've gone for Bakary Sagna. Yeah, I think he has been amongst the best right-backs I've seen at Arsenal. Barley Dixon, I think he has been our best right-back in my lifetime. I'd also like to say he has the most beautiful wife of any human being on this planet. What's her name? I also... uh, Ludivine. Ludivine. Ludivine Sank. Yeah. Bouchard wow. is uh, Robin Van Persie's she, wife. She is an absolute 
Oh, dear me. What a beautiful lady. Well done there, Bakari. <laughs> yeah, look, he always I turned like up... I like Bakari Sagner. Yeah, he always turned up in North London derby. He's got a fine header against Tottenham in a, in a closely contested game. And uh, Yeah, and... and... a phenomenal haircut. Yeah, always. Like a crab sticking on top of his head. Yeah, and, and he, had a, he had a really, really brilliant career. Yeah, he left Arsenal on a free, obviously, when his contract, or didn't sign a new contract, but left with, with very good blood. Came out the front door. Hmm. So your number eight, uh, Theo Walcott. Yeah, I was signed in two thousand and six. Yep, uh, I was in New Zealand at the time he was signed. Nice. I remember that being done. Uh, a, well, a long and illustrious Arsenal career, famous obviously for when he walked off the pitch with his two-one or two-nil salute to yep. Spurs at that time. Yeah, he's a great player. Theo had a great career at Arsenal, you know. I think um, that probably the biggest thing that you can respect Theo with is when they interviewed Van Persie after he scored 100 goals at Arsenal, he credited Walcott with a huge um, contribution to, to attain those goals. I think um, Walcott assisted something like 40-something of those 100 goals. So in his time at Arsenal, I think he had something like 175 goal or assist contributions, which all happened at the Emirates. So, yeah. you know, well worth his place in the top 10. Uh, still going now. Not much of a fan of the top knot, but um, a stalwart professional. His hair's gone a bit awry, hasn't it? But, yeah, and it has. But a proper, proper professional. Never had an issue whatsoever did raise his game often for contract renegotiations, but then took it on thereafter. And um, yeah, best I, I am a, I'm a fan of Walcott. Yeah. Uh, he's always been a fan of mine. Uh, and to conclude your bottom five, you've gone in number six with Laurent Koscielny. Laurent Koscielny has been unlucky in his Arsenal career, other than Thomas Vermaelen, of just never having the right partner. But... For 8 million quid, for near on 400 appearances, he was very underrated as an Arsenal player. And and probably his best game for Arsenal was when I thought he pocketed Messi in the uh, Champions League tie against uh, when we beat them 2-1 at the Emirates. He was phenomenal that evening. I must admit, I'm, I have been a fan of Koscielny in his time at the Emirates. I thought he was a decent captain of the side. Yep. I always felt he had that mistake in him at the wrong time, though, for me. Which a lot of our defenders have done in previous years. I, I think. The, I think the thing is, though, goalkeepers and defenders are always remembered by their mistakes. You I mean, just you you don't remember a slide tackle or a last ditch tackle the same way you remember a twenty five yard free kick. They're just not. They're just not retrospectively on the same level. But I can remember displays of Koscielny's. He also scored a lot of important goals in the run-ins to getting into the top four a couple of times. Scored a fine overhead kick against West Brom, actually. I remember that goal. And, you know, he, he had a lot of skill, Koscielny. He was a really, really complete player. And in that period where we got a tune out of Mertesacker, Saka, their record together was, was ridiculous. I was a big, big, big Koscielny fan. I thought he'd done the number six for a long period with respect. Yeah, so to, to, to go back through it, so Nasri at 10, Sagnier at 9, Theo Walker at number 8. We've, we've, we've you missed, forgot my number 7. I've missed your number 7 out. I've been a fool. <laughs> what a fool. And, and notably, your number 7 is a fine player. Your number 7 is uh, the Christmas cracker himself, Santi Cazorla. Yeah, and I know a few will probably think I should rank him maybe higher, but it, it when you get into the top five it becomes really really tough and um Santi probably just isn't a little bit higher just due to a, his really unfortunate injury record but Terrible when he played injuries oh when he played my did he play and um 
And, you know, it was really tough between he and Koscielny, and it's probably only really appearances that pushed Koscielny into six. But Kozola, the the actually most two-footed footballer in my life I've ever seen. A lot of people talk about um, Glenn Hoddle was one of the most naturally two-footed players of that era, but I didn't see enough of him play. But Kozola, I've never seen another player take corners and with left foot on the right side and right foot on the left side and also free kicks from positions where he was trying to See angle that them. famous free kick against Hull. When he hit it under the wall. No, the famous free kick against Hull in the FA Cup final. Well, yeah, that was... Um, but he's also scored with his left foot, like, stinging under the wall. You see now, actually, Bob, a lot of teams don the man lying down under the wall. I saw that the weekend. Yeah, they, they, it's a new thing that's come in. It's trending recently. But Santi... Um, Santi was a phenomenal footballer and he's still playing now. He's just won his um, his league title in his um, Emirati uh, football club. I, um, he, I, is he played for Adzir, I think, or or, or Alain? But yeah, so again, he's finishing his career and I wish I wish him actually a very Merry Christmas. So we'll try this again. So your bottom five, if you will, is Nasri at 10, Sagner at 9, Walcott at 8, Santi Cazorla at number 7 and... Laurent Koscielny at six. So I'm that's sure producer James will clean that up for you. I hope he'll polish it up. <laughs> cool. So let's start with me. So I'm, you know, there's some similar players here. So we'll we'll go quickly through the ones, but we'll talk about the ones that I've put in that you haven't. So I've gone, I put Bakari Sagner at number 10 for me. I think same reasons you, one of the best right backs we've had certainly up there. He's certainly, he's probably a better right back than Laurent. Not as good, obviously, as phenomenal as the boy Dixon, the legend that is Lee Dixon. Yeah. But he's certainly in that top echelons of player there. I've also put Walcott in there. I've got him at number nine for me, Theo Walcott. Again, long-serving career for the club. You know, gave everything when he did it. Played brilliant football. Scored some important goals, some great goals. And he's a true Arsenal player for me. A player that I've always had a great affinity with. Is Theo Walcott an Arsenal legend? Oh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. If you can hear any squeaking on the microphone, because it's the Christmas special, I'm just opening a sweet. Because why not? It's Christmas. It's when you can eat sweets at breakfast. One of the main food groups at Christmas. Meat, booze, sweets, cheese, and more booze. That's the five main food groups at Christmas. And you are now having one of your five a day. Yes, I've gone for a uh, big one. But... I, I'm not sure as to whether or not Walcott deserves to come into legendary category or not. In the, He's certainly an Emirates legend, I think. He could do. So I've got him at number nine. I've, I've gone in here with someone that you haven't gone in, and I'm going to tell you for why. Number eight for me is the Scorpion Kick Maestro. Yeah. Olivier Giroud. Giroud probably... Giroud, for me, gets uh, a bad press, and I probably am guilty of giving him this for his outrageously bad behaviour in costing Meza Ozil that assist record. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, he scored some very important goals, was a phenomenal goal scorer. Scored he's in, he's 100 in, goals. Yeah, he's in the 100 club. Yeah, brilliant scorer of great goals, notably... His flicks in that Norwich goal that Wilshere scored. You know why Giroud probably got, you know, and it was a tough one for me to leave him out. He was a notable absentee for me. I, I actually ended up at the end of his career to stop berating him and actually now miss him. 
Um, and he's still playing at a top level at Chelsea a year and a half after leaving Arsenal. I would uh, say, if I was ranking Giroud, though, he was probably the best-looking Arsenal player oh. up there with Freddie Umberg. And apparently, and I know it's a Christmas special, it's family-friendly, but extremely long in the shower. Oh, he's up there with Dion Dublin. Yeah, if ever, if you, you, the People, I mean, I know it's his Man United's greatest ever manager, but... But you need to read about Alex Ferguson about when he first saw Dion Dublin in the changing rooms. <laughs> it is elite. It is an elite <laughs> quote from a book. It is amazing. But no, I've got Giroud. I think Giroud was a great player for Yeah, Arsenal. he was a great player. I, I was just going to say, I think he got a bit of a bad press because he replaced Van Persie. And that is no mean feat to uh, replace such a player. No. And at number seven, I'll put him in there. And... When you're looking at best players, greatest players, kings of Emirates, I think this man has to be included. Jack Wilshere. Mm. I believe that player sweated Arsenal. He went to sleep dreaming of Arsenal. He's an Arsenal player through and through. Arsenal, <clears throat> not an Arsenal legend, but he's in my top 10 players for Arsenal. What he did when he was fit for Arsenal, the way he pocketed and outplayed Iniesta and Javi. He's a great player. He's a player that if his fitness levels had been better, you would be, you, we would be talking about him in the top end of this. Oh, no, team. I totally agree with that. But the point that you've made is the reason why I've not had him in. And I said earlier in the pods, one swallow does not make a summer. And beyond that Barcelona game, you are far-fetched now to pick specific Wilshire memories. Now... Great goal against West Brom, great goal against Norwich. They're goals, they're not games, they're moments. I th- no, I'm, I must... I put, he's in there, he's in my top seven. I, I, I watched Jack play um, at Bishop Stortford for the Arsenal under-21s or the reserves um, when he was 15. And you just felt like you really had one. And then he was touted as the next big thing and, and the English media and the press got right into him. And then we beat Sheffield United in the Carling Cup or the, or the Carabao Cup, um, 6-0. And he had a fine game scored as well. And then then there was that season where we'd signed Schumacher. I think it's 10-11. And Van Persie was injured. And Wilshere went on a run, actually, of around about three or four months where he was fine. I think it was the same season that he played, um, he played well against Barcelona. But he just had that one great season where he had 45, 50 games. Other than that, he was just so... It was just one of those players, unfortunately, that just missed too many games a season and and too many run of games where he could just find that that match peakness where you got the full Jack Wilshere. He's a huge Jack Wilshere fan. I think he was a brilliant player for Arsenal and that's why I put him in my top ten. Yeah. And at number six, I have put in Santi Cazorla. You know, when you're looking at a player that we've missed since they've left, he is one of them. 100%. A fine footballer. Again, injury-blighted career. But, but a wonderful, wonderful player. Yeah. So that's my bottom five. Now, before we move on and I'm going to do my top five in ascending numerical order, I have not picked Laurent Koscielny. I've also not picked Samir Nasri. Mm-hmm. So there's some changes from the, the things there. I just, I don't know why I didn't, I just didn't see Koscielny in mine. You know? Fair enough. And let's do our top fives now. We've actually picked the exact same players within our top fives. Right. Albeit in different orders. Okay. Now, we've both done this at number five. A Christmas or a Boxing Day birthday, the man himself. So, happy birthday to Aaron Ramsey. Top 
top player. And uh, a credential to Aaron is that he came back from two horrendous injuries and still hit the top level in football, I think. His 14-15 season was outrageous how good it was. And he had a couple of seasons like that. Culminating um, in that winning goal in the cup final. Yeah, and that's what I was just about to say. He did that twice. He was in the right place at the right time. And you talk about things that we miss in the current Arsenal team. The ability to time a run to go beyond the nine to get into goal-storing positions is something I've only seen. Other than Lampard, I thought Ramsey might actually be, in most recent years, the next best at it in the Premier League. He was a talismatic player, Aaron Ramsey. What an Arsenal player. I will... We've talked... We mentioned Walcott. I might knock this boy into legendary status. Would you agree? Yeah, and the way he left the club absolutely stole my heart. I mean... um, he really became an Arsenal man. And I think the fact we let him leave the club for a free transfer is outrageous of this club the to allow that to happen. The nature of that free transfer as well, to, to announce early on in the year that he wouldn't be renewing his contract was yeah. a disaster. Yeah, I'm, um, he, he would still be an Arsenal player today and I don't think he... He would actually probably be Arsenal captain now, I think. He probably would 100%. be the right He'd candidate. He'd definitely be the captain. Yeah. So moving up to my number four, I've put him in there. The great... Mesut Ozil. Mesut Ozil, top four player for me. Well, where can you start with Mesut Ozil? (laughs) FA Cup wins, assists, you know, humanitarian causes, great goals. A fine, fine Arsenal player. In the Emirates era, he's easily in the top five. Oh, what a player Mesut Ozil is. You know, you could talk for hours and we have done (laughs) You know, what's happening at the moment. We won't go in too much, though, because it, we don't. it's going to really darken the door when he will probably be moving on. He, he has to be let to leave the football club in the right way. It's absolutely essential that he gets the right sending off. I, there are so many Mesut Ozil memories that I can just... I can just Hashtag Mesut memories. Oh, I can just spill them off, honestly. Um, I believe I ranked him slightly higher. but You have done. We'll, talk, we'll come on to yours in a minute. But yes, uh, Mesut Ozil. Ozil number four, and yeah, what a player Mesut Ozil is. Now, number three, and I've gone for Alexis Sanchez. And i tell you about Alexis Sanchez. If Alexis Sanchez had signed a new contract and had played a season more, I think you could be caught discussing him as the greatest player of the Emirates era. Alexis Sanchez was that good... Well, one thing you would do is you'd have him in the 100 club because I think he, in the time he was at Arsenal, scored 80 goals in very, very, very quick time. And potentially there could have been more, there could have been trophies. Champions League football would not have been a miss. I can probably concur. But he that. would have played Emery's first season, wouldn't he? And which yeah. means that he would, could he have been the difference in the Europa League final? Well, I, would he have been the difference in the top four, getting in the top four? So let's not look at the European final one off game, but let's look at that top four and look at some of those results where we did not get a result in, in rather dire circumstances. He would have, that Crystal Palace game, dragged us to victory in that one. But by... he dragged us over the line when we went like two or three down against Bournemouth that time when Perez scored that uh, Lucas Perez scored that fine left-footed volley yeah Alexis Sanchez I will say now if he had if he'd have left as Mikel Arteta joined so as Emery left so last January Mm -hmm. if he'd have gone on that long he would be probably classed as one of the Arsenal greats 
Hundred percent. That would have been a very, very, very telling period if Arsenal were able in that six month period to extend Ramsey and Sanchez. Yeah. You know, you'd be looking at a different side now. They are great players. Can you imagine adding those two to what you've got now and all of a sudden you're talking about a Sanchez, Abamyang, Pepe front line? I don't think you'd sign Pepe if you've got Sanchez, just oh. being honest. But then you could have a party Ramsey, Ozil 3. A party Ramsey, Ozil 3, that's a, that, I'm going to tell you now, that's a league-winning midfield. That's elite. Proper elite. So... And Abamyang with Sanchez... Proper gets my juices going though. So I've gone for Sanchez at number three. Mm. So I've gone Urzel at four, Sanchez at three. Let's look at your top five a little bit. You've actually got them the other way around. Yeah. So you've gone Sanchez at four, Urzel at four, three. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think, you know, I don't think there's much to say difference there. Why did you put Urzel higher than Sanchez? Um, because I think um, Ozil's been at the club longer. He did renegotiate his terms. He stood by Arsenal. And he did go through that Emery period. And he, he went through a transition post-Wenger into Emery football. And within that 30-game period, he did some really, really, really great things. He was integral to the side when we should have won the league in 15-16. And like I, I just alluded to earlier, I think I think statistically his numbers were just really consistent over a eight or nine year career at Arsenal. And it's you sometimes when you're talking about best of a period, you do have to give a bit of respect to longevity. Also, Sanchez never actually extended a contract at Arsenal. Ozil's was extended two now. I just I think just for that particular reason. And you know, you you had Giroud in yours at uh, seven or eight. And, eight. and Giroud Giroud's got a hundred goals at Arsenal where Ozil's probably created nine, 250 chances for him. So, yeah. I, 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 if Giroud had been 10% better, he'd be the all-time leading goal scorer for Arsenal. Yeah, so, you know, and I think, um, you know, I think only Kevin De Bruyne has more assists in the Premier League since they've both been in the Premier League than Ozil. So there's some, there's some numbers that... that that just allow, He's a really, really classy footballer, Ozil, and... I, just, I think it's tragic that he is not registered to play for Arsenal at the moment. So, you know, even under the new regime, you know, you think of the goals, you think of the game against Leicester where Aubameyang scores that goal and that team goal that breaks out, the flick round the corner, the dummy through, and then Lacazette feeds him, the outside of the boot chip over the keeper. Meza Ozil's use of open space in both passing the ball and his movement around it is... Is quite something to see. His ability to drift away, his ability to move away from a ball is not looked upon. He would dummy and move away from balls, move his foot to a different place to look like he's accepting a pass from not. So you can talk about his passing all day long. Remember that pass he, he did to when Monreal scored that mm. goal? You couldn't see that pass. It wasn't a pass. It was such a wild pass. But he off. did that He did that again. That pass, that splitter, where um, I think it was he ended up putting Kolasinac in, who scooped the ball back for Aubameyang, who scored on the volley. It just let that angle, like... Chip with a little bit of like draw spin on it, a little bit of check side. It was just uh, yeah, exactly. It was exactly that. And then I think you know he invented a, a shot on goal, or he kicks the ball into the ground to dummy the goalkeeper to chip them. It's honestly, believing pool that we called a bank shot. Yes, <laughs> and I just I, honestly, there's stuff like that that he does with the football so so nonchalantly. You know, that fine game against Chelsea, Ozil and Sanchez just put them over their knee. It was a... Yeah, 
he, he um, you know, his career at Arsenal as a number eleven was probably significantly better than it was as a number ten. I remember, <laughs> yes, indeed, the curse of the ten. But yeah, you know, I, 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 yeah, I'm a massive Mesut Ozil fan, and as I turn and look at my Mesut Ozil shirt, he'll go down as an Arsenal great for me. So before we come to the top two, yeah, uh, would you like a sweet? No, I'm fine. You sure? No sweets, James. Okay, I'll just put them back over there. We'll talk about some sweets later. So the top two. No prizes for guessing who are in both of our top two. So the players we've got in our top two, and the reason I'm going to say it like this is because we want to talk about these because we've got them in different orders. So we're going to look at two players, Robin Van Persie and Cesc Fabricas. I don't think there's any question of a doubt that those two players are the finest players of the Emirates era. No. I've ranked Van Persie as my number one, and James has ranked Fabregas as his number one. Let's talk about why. Van Persie, for me, again had an injury-blighted period at Arsenal. He played in the shadows for many parts of the, the likes of Henri, but what he provided at Arsenal was a phenomenal goal-scoring record, a phenomenal assist record, the ability to score important and great goals. He also led the team well. Obviously, he left in less than acrimonious circumstances, but I can tell you now, this, none of this is his fault. And you've seen that when he's talked in public, that he's gone to speak to the board and he's been told that the club's aspirations are not even on the same postcode uh, as his. And that, for me, is is why I think Robin Van Persie is the, the greatest player of the Emirates era. He pips by short head, says Fabregas, in my opinion. Fabregas. Cesc Fabregas to me is the prodigal son of the Arsenal Emirates era. Having to come in and replace some humongous boots in that of Patrick Vieira, the way as a young child he took Vieira on in that Champions League tie and just floored him. You know, and he just slotted in next to Gilberto in the early part of his Emirates career. Then he made a fine player out of Alex Song playing next to him. And then he even blooded Danielson through um, a, a reasonable career at Arsenal. And in all the time I held a season ticket at Arsenal, I've never seen a player silent to crowd quite so many times. Just through moments, and he created so many opportunities at Arsenal and goal-scoring opportunities, over 110 assists in his Arsenal career, scoring goals with broken legs against Barcelona. You know, he broke his foot and converted that penalty. Coming off the bench and scoring twice against Aston Villa whilst being injured. The the brace against Tottenham in the 3-0 win at home. Oh, I mean, like I first met Sesk working at a hotel when he was 15 years old. And the mother... You've met Sesk Fabregas? Yes, yes. And let let me tell you this... Who haven't you freaking met? Let me tell you this story. So... Uh, I used to work at a um, hotel called Whitehall Hotel, and it was quite a, an establishment. It's now a block of flats. You're like, but, a, you're like bloody Uncle Albert during the war. <laughs> yeah. When I met this Arsenal player, Christ alive. But this is quite a funny story, right? So th- we worked at this place called Whitehall Hotel in Broxted in Essex. Basically, in order to probably get reasonably cheap service, they employed 14 to 17-year-olds or an 18-year-old who worked at the bar. But it was a very, very young workforce. And within my first six months, 
the mother of the groom was the au pair to the student house of Arsenal overseas players. And that class... That's a fucking tenuous link. And at this wedding that's turned up, Sesk and his girlfriend, Matthew Flamini, Johan Giroud and Philippe Senderos have come to this wedding. And they are just sitting in the corner as 16-year-olds in hired tuxedos, just sort of can't barely speak a word of English. And I remember having a chat with Sesk. I'd seen him play once or twice for Arsenal. It was when he was still wearing... I think he was wearing his number 53 at the time. And before he moved to his 15, then his number four. And he signed... Great knowledge of shirts there, James. And he signed a docket for myself and my two friends that I was living with, James and Ross... And to James, James and Ross, um, love Sesk, 53 in a circle. Oh, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah, and it was um, and it was on a receipt. I took it home and showed uh, showed my friends James and Ross. And then from that moment, I mean, there's prob- so there's an, a complete love and admiration for him. So it might be partly an emotional decision. But then I think his Arsenal career that he went on, I, just parts of it, the way, again, the way Van Persie left the club, it was kind of, it, it wasn't in completely the right way. I thought Fabregas saw off Barcelona maybe two or three times and then it just became too much. But Cesc Fabregas is the Emirates for me. My all, Like so many of my Emirates memories just stack around what he brought to the football club. And I think he left everything on the pitch for Arsenal. And if Wenger wasn't a man of his word and processes as much as he was, I think we would have re-signed Fabregas from uh, from Barcelona. He I wa- agree. I think he wanted to come back to Arsenal. The discussions we had, it was the first, was our first refusal, buybacks, whatever you want to say. It was, it was in the bag and we just turned him down. Yeah. And he then went to play for Chelsea. Yeah, and won everything and still plays now at Monaco and I wish him all the best. So So that's our top tens. Yeah. And I think I don't you know, I'd like people now, you're sitting at home on Boxing Day, you've got fuck all else to do. <laughs> Thanks for that, Boris. So tweet in who your top ten Arsenal players are to at Jim Bobcast, hashtag Kings of Emirates, and just let us know your top fives, top tens. Whether you agree with us, what players you want to see in there, you know, do you think that Giroud should be higher? Is Theo Walcott a legend? You know, these are all questions we want to know from you today. Uh, I'll be keeping my beady eyes looking out for this. So we've gone through top tens. Now, you've made an amazing argument for Cesc Fabregas there. So let's look at our top five. We've, we've both sat back and agreed at this. I think number one's probably got to be Cesc Fabregas. I'm going to let you have him as number one. Okay. Which by virtue means RVP, Robin Van Persie's number two. Yeah. I do think Sanchez in a short space of time showed himself to be, you know, he'd have, he'd have been number one if he'd played another season. Yeah, statistically Sanchez's record at Arsenal His goes... ability to be talismatic, his, his way that he would drag a result from somewhere it's just, means it's, I think he has to be number three. It's just his career was so short. Like if you if we haven't even entertained Abamyang and Abamyang's career is almost at the same he's always almost been at Arsenal the same period as Sanchez has. You know, and Abamyang has what 70 odd goals, Sanchez got 80 and and Abamyang doesn't even make the top ten. I think so that's the, because Sanchez 
would go and just do things. You know, we beat Chelsea back in September 16 in a phenomenal style of play. You know, the way we dismantled Liverpool with him and Ozil, mind you, the, the, the link-up play they had. Oh, I, I'm a huge Sanchez fan. I thought what he did at Arsenal Football Club was unbelievable. Yes, he left in an acrimonious way. But again, we can go back to this point by point by point, and we'll probably do this in weeks to come. We we could have signed him. We could have recontracted him. Don't piss ball about. He wanted money. We could have gone there. We wouldn't have had to pay him anywhere near the 400 grand that Man United paid him. We could have re-signed him. For me, I, I, I'm going to have to argue that I've given you Fabregas. You should give me Sanchez. <laughs> and then that puts Ozil at number four. And I don't think we can debate on the fact that Ramsey is a top five. Again, Aaron Ramsey, I think Aaron Ramsey is an Arsenal legend. He isn't as good as the four players above him. You know, if you were running a poll without those four, you would put Ramsey in there. Some people out there might even, you know, there's a lot of people that are not as favourable as Ozil as what we are. Some people may rank Ramsey higher than Ozil because of his talismatic nature. Some people might even put him above uh, Sanchez. Maybe we're wrong, but who knows? And it's our poll. We can do what we like. <laughs> Look, Sanchez has got... Um, Sanchez has, was at Arsenal three and a half years. You know, within that period of time, he scored 80 goals and had 45 assists in 166 games. So, and Ozil has scored 45 goals and has 77 assists in 250 games. So Sanchez was an animal. Yeah, no, I mean, statistically, 125 contributions in 166 games is immense. And no one thought that we would be able to get the Barcelona Sanchez, which is why they let him go. Well, he had 141 games at Barcelona, scored 46 goals, so almost half, and 37 assists. He was, Wenger has probably found the most out of him for, for any coach. Yes. Or maybe since his early days playing in Italy. No, I'm. A, I mean, you know, I, th- I think our top five's there. Obviously, we've got. I'll some, let you have Sanchez. Obviously, we've got some different players in our in the rest of our top tens, but you know, guys, I think players like Walcott. You know, there's some notable absences that we've missed. Obviously, Lord Bentner, <laughs> a cult figure, Mor- the Moroccan princess, <laughs> Shamak, uh, Senderos, uh, Giroud. Squillacci. He probably don't what, work. what about quickly your top five worst Emirates players? Lichtensteiner. Yeah, yes. Probably the worst. Squillacci, definitely. Awful player. Awful player. He was an awful... He made Igor Stepanovs look like a phenomenal player. Not that they played <laughs> against each other or with each other. I don't know. I mean, I don't try to... I have Manu- Manuel Munya in there. Wow. Manuel Munya was woeful, in my opinion. He played a lot for Arsenal, which I cannot fathom why. He was dreadful. He wasn't very good, was he? I remember when, uh, remember when Jens, Jens didn't like him. Yaya Sonogo. Sonogo, Sonogo. Where for out, though, Sonogo? I don't believe he knew what his feet were for. He scored a hat-trick in the Emirates Cup, though, once. I know. And I remember watching it thinking, have we got a striker here? Then I watched the week after it. No, no, there we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sonogo was dreadfully, dreadfully poor. I'll let you pick the last one. <sighs> My one of my worst ever Arsenal players at the Emirates. I try and blank them out of my mind. I'm a massive. I dislike Shamak hugely. No, Shamak had a. You can't. He cannot be amongst the worst. And he had a period of six months where he'd scored ten or eleven goals up to the period of Christmas. Kim Kalstrom. Yeah. Kim. Bless him. 
Maybe not. You know, we signed the bloke with a broken back and expected him to... So there we go. That is our Kings of Emirates are. We the Kings of Emirates are. Cesc Fabregas, congratulations. You are the 2020 winner of the greatest Arsenal player of all time. Now give me my present. Give me my present. And it's going to be there. So here we go. We're now moving on to something we like to do here. It is bit of secret Santa or not so secret Santa banter. So I'm going to pass. Well, I haven't. I'm not passing it. He's already got it in front of him. I have given James his secret Santa present there. Are you going to watch him open it? I don't know why I'm doing that thing. <laughs> yes, uh, James's nickname, for those that know him, is The Horn. Uh, so I've given him a new can horn. And he's got, he's a huge fan. I've got, I've got my lovely nice print. You have is a print of um, Patrick Vieira and Thierry Henry holding Dennis Bergkamp aloft. So this is a beautiful present, which is going to make my unwrapping of Bob's present even worse. Well, here we go. He's uh, but he's, he's put nice, he's put nice label in it. Merry Xmas, Bob. So let's go into it. Here we go then. Da, 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 da. I'm I've already seen what it is. And it's 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 absolutely it's full of banter. He's absolutely royally done me in here. It is what can only be described as a full-on bag. It's a buffet of chocolate orange. Chocolate orange. We've got chocolate matchmakers. We've got a well, do you know a limited edition chocolate twelve. We've got an orange club biscuit. I love an orange club biscuit. If you like a lot of chocolate on your biscuit. I mean, we've got a chocolate orange in there, which is an annual Christmas. We've got some... There, there's some white, shit house in there. White chocolate orange minis. Yeah, dreadful. We've got a chocolate orange snowman by Dairy Milk. What else we got in here? Another chocolate... Oh, my good God. <laughs> yeah. Terry's chocolate orange bar, Cranberry. I mean, good God. James, you really tucked me up here, son. And you've got to try all of this on the show. I, I might, well, yeah, we'll do them in weeks to come. You know, we've got, we got to save some, save some. This is also a chocolate arrow. Now, in look, there. there is a, I believe there is a Terry's chocolate orange in there, which is a which is a fine Christmas piece. I think the Terry's chocolate orange is a chocolate that everyone should have at Christmas. So I did get you the one thing that you believe does stand in the chocolate orange well, family. It is the king of the chocolate orange chocolates. I mean, this bar, if it didn't have the cranberry in it, I might have given it a bit more kudos. I believe it's actually called a tablet, not a bar. <laughs> anyway, Robert, I can only um, feel slightly bad now. A beautiful print replaced by many things Mate, that you Secret go... Secret Santa banter. Once when I did Secret Santa at a workplace, if any of my work colleagues, past, present or future, future uh, are listening to this, and I once got in Secret Santa a Roy Chubby Brown DVD. <laughs> I looked at it and was like, what the hell's this? It's the worst gift ever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I once actually got someone in Secret Santa. I'm quite good at a Secret Santa gift. I once actually got someone in Secret Santa a uh, make your own bacon kit. <laughs> make your own bacon? Yeah, you get the curing sorts and everything. All you do is provide the pork. Right. Well, obviously, be a bit lame. Uh, you know, the only problem is, uh, no, I'll move, move on there. They, they don't eat bacon. Uh, but no, I, I think Secret Santa in the workplace is a great thing. 
Uh, and I just, I, I think it's something that, and there's so many people that wouldn't have done Secret Santa this year because obviously the way that work's been and the way that Christmas's been. And I think, therefore, there's a lot of re-gifting that's not happening this year because there's a lot of toot not been bought off the shelves. Yes. So that was our Secret Santa banter. You know, yes. you don't get much from it. James, you want a chocolate yet? Yes. James, I'm going to get him, uh, I'm going to go into the uh, lovely pouch here of Quality Street. Shuffle it up. Blind. Yeah, then I'm just going to throw this one to James. You wouldn't believe what he's just got. Team 34, Scunthorpe United. So he has actually, I've just picked this blind. My eyes were shut. He's actually got a chocolate orange crunch. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the menu on the back. So back to Arsenal, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about. The greatest. Le Grandissimo. Our personal choice. So it's someone that's close to our heart. Mm-hmm. Who is our best ever Arsenal player at all time? And I remember you asked me this question and the only credential that you gave me to answer it was you need to answer it quickly. Because it's the first thing that comes to your mind, which is probably the truest feeling. So, James. Dennis Burkamp by a stretch. D- tell me about why. Dennis Bergkamp is the finest man to grace any put pitch that's been portrayed or looked after by... Curated, I believe, curated, is the word the Curated is. by an Arsenal groundsman. Dennis Bergkamp evolved my childhood. I first saw Dennis Bergkamp in, 19, in the mid-1990s and he came and played in Inter Milan's testimonial game, which I believe was a um, a contractual obligation. It was Paul Lintz's testimonial. How did Paul Lintz ever get a testimonial for... Very odd. Um, and the game was nil-nil, and it was a shit shower of a game. Halfway through the first half, Nigel Winterburn threaded a crossfield ball. Dennis Bergkamp was tugging the, the uh, byline on the right-hand side, keeps the ball up, in off the chest, quick flick around and just drops the shoulder and the ball goes off. And at that point, that's the first time I really felt love. That Was was that when he was playing for Arsenal? He just signed for Arsenal. It was, it was probably just like the contractual obligation of the transfer, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it was his first game, I believe, in an Arsenal shirt. And from that day forward, oh, I mean, I just... Look, I don't even need to try and tell you about Burkamp memories. You can pull up stock full of your own Burkamp memories. Dennis Burkamp, phenomenal player, graced the number 10 shirt with just so much. It was glorious. Obviously a member of the Invincibles. The only player in Arsenal history to have 100 goals and 100 assists to his name. Wow, that's a stat. Thank you. And did Big T not have that? No. So I'm a huge, uh, you know, I think Burkamp's great. Dennis Dennis Burkamp, I mean, the only thing about Dennis Burkamp which leaves salt in the wound is the fact that we could not get him to travel overseas, which is probably the biggest reason as to why we didn't win European honours. Other than that, his career was just. I'll go as far as to say, I mean, although it's a. This actually. It's, and it's, again, it's a shit debate that I'm about to have here. It comes down, Bob, again for me for legacy. He pretty much played the core years of his brilliance all the way through to retirement at Arsenal, whereby Henri left and went on and had a quite long career after Arsenal. I mean, he even came back and scored that infamous, brilliant goal against Leeds in the FA Cup. But he had been gone six, five years at that point, I think, to come back. And um, and Burkamp, Burkamp spent such a period at Arsenal. But the beauty of him spending such a period was you saw him have a yard of pace when he played with Wright and Anelka. 
and then you saw him lose a yard of pace and still manage to maintain his game at the top level, servicing Thierry Henry. And that, for me, is just the complete ability of the footballing spectrum that Dennis Bergkamp was on. Meaning the last season at Highbury, he had a Dennis Bergkamp day where he rose to the uh, the full front and scored a phenomenal goal against West Brom. I mean, you know why this argument is so tough? Because I know who your player is. And the two players in question have both got statues at the ground. So they've been recognised by Arsenal amongst the two greatest players ever to wear the shirt. So mine is Thierry Henry. Yeah. What can you say about Thierry Henry? He is our leading scorer. He is. The probably one of the centre pins of that invincible season. I mean, that's single-handedly his uh, hat-trick against Liverpool when we were losing, that won us that game back in uh, 20, in 2004. His talismatic, and I've used this word several times, nature to score goals, and not just goals, but great goals, important goals, phenomenal goals. He is the greatest ever Arsenal player. I don't see... It's very difficult to disagree with a player who's been remarked as the greatest overseas player ever in the Premier League, because obviously that also includes Dennis Bergkamp in that. And 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 this is this is purely just a this is kind of like the for Arsenal fans, this is the grander kind of Messi versus Ronaldo. I just don't know this is just purely personal preference, you know. For me, I was a midfielder when I played football to a, for a reasonable standard. So the grace of the kind of the way that Burkamp dropped in the pocket, I also like the aggressiveness about Burkamp. He had he had a bite in his game as well, and and I do love Ian Wright. You know, I I loved Ian Wright growing up, and just the way Ian talked about Dennis as well is just I, I love. I've watched that story so many times over. A petrol station. Yeah, but then just about the way Ian talks about his career. Just the way he talks about the way Dennis was in training, the way he ate, the way the, the way he just everything about him, and how Henri evolved under um, under Wenger was was a masterstroke from Wenger and, and Henri. Yeah, I I adore Thierry Henry. I think he is such a fine Arsenal player, the the best, the greatest. His goals, his leadership, not just as he wasn't as captain his leadership, but his way that he led the team alongside Vieiras and players like that. Oh, you know, and then that day, that day he came back to the club. <laughs> that time he was brought off the bench against Leeds and he does that. The way my hair, my hairs are standing on end now just thinking about it. I was sitting there watching it at home. Arsenal playing dismally, you know, nothing new there. He comes off the pitch, the ball breaks to him and... It's the fine like, Alex Song pass, actually. Just like old days, just like the old time, he opens his body up... Hmm. Right-footed, slides it into the far post. I know, it's a proper Bill Murray in Caddyshack. It's a Cinderella story. It's straight out of nowhere, I guess. You know, it's, a, it's, a full on, it's a full-on Cinderella moment. It's a great one of the greatest moments. And Thierry Henry is the greatest player, you know. I was in war. Thailand watching that game at 1am in the morning and I was beside myself. I erupted a whole bar in Krabby on Krabby Beach that evening when Thierry Henry scored that yeah, goal. Yeah, I just think what he did at the club, the goals, and it, the sheer weight of some of the goals, the assist record that he held in the yeah. season. But it still know, stands. Yeah. It's only been equaled. Look, 
I don't mind either way where you go with this. This is, you just ask me a question, and for me, like I, I, I we're certainly not going to debate this. No, like and, I, the top and I, 10 I and put someone at number one. And I was very fortunate as a young lad to be taken by um, uh, a very close friend of mine's father and his family to Arsenal a lot at Highbury. So I saw Arsenal play a lot of football at Highbury, and. The way Bergkamp moved through the Highbury and, and kind of restored Arsenal a little bit from the shithousery that we had under Rioch and Houston. Well, obviously it was, and then he was came signed in. in the Rioch season. He was, Him yeah. and David Platt joined at the same time. Obviously, that was David Dean doing all the works there. Absolutely. In the build-up for Mr Wenger, Mr. Wenger to, to join. But he Wenger was had... really the catalyst of change at Arsenal. He was the movement from the long ball 1-0 to the Arsenal days. Moving through to the fresh, flash, fast, fancy football. But you got to remember that double season, 98. You know, like when you had Adams, Bold, you had the heritage of that back five. And then you had Vieira and Bergkamp who just transformed that side from in, in an attacking sense under Wenger's control. Petit and Overmars, you know, that, that was, you know, that 97, 98 team, because of the likes of the 02 team, the 04 team. It probably never gets its its greatness personified. Yeah, so obviously Bergkamp's won more, probably has more honours at Arsenal than Henri because he has a double over him. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's just... Although he didn't play in that cup final. Yeah, but he played in the... Um, yeah. He still got a winner's medal, didn't he? So, I mean, but, you know, it's... Um, Look, it's 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 one of them, Bob. I'm I'm I, like, both of them are like people that raise the hairs on my neck. You talk about that Henri moment at Leeds. I talk about that goal at Newcastle. It's still talked about today. The the greatest goal in Premier League. That was voted number one goal. Yeah, there you go. And and that just when when Wrighty gets Burkham to re-describe that, he just says it was a bad pass. I just had to readjust my body, and I played the situation through my head. And I go back to that thing about Bergkamp. It's what I loved about Urza, which is why I put him ahead of Sanchez. I People that see things in football that other people don't see, I just warm to, I just, you know, I just respect that so much. People that see lines that others don't. And, and Bergkamp was the master of it. Yeah, he was. I think Henri was phenomenal as well in what he did. Remember that back heel goal against Charlton? Yeah. That's un, that's, un, that's just, you can't do that. But but um, yeah, I mean, I can think of so many goals on rescored. I, I, oh, the goal against Spurs, the goal against Liverpool, the, the, he, past everyone. Yeah, he seated Carragher. You know, I mean, he was the volley against Man United. Uh, Man United. That's a great goal. I mean, the goal against Aston Villa actually on the apex where the where the Nike sign actually stays like it's like an advert. Like the football just does not move. There's just no spin on it. It's so pure, and he puts it in the stanchion. Multiple free kicks. The quick free kick he invented against Charlton also. He ended uh, Danny Mills's football career. Yeah, again, yeah, that was tragic. I mean, look, the goals against Real Madrid in the Champions League, he pretty much single-handedly put them on their back. The goal, remember the goal against Inter Milan? Oh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, yeah. I, I don't mind where you sit this. I think just having a tied number one is a... It's Christmas. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. A Christmas number one. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they're... I, don't, I, I agree. We can't choose between them. We leave them as they are. They are the greatest. Roll me on, Bob. Oh, it's Christmas. Films. I love a Christmas movie, don't you? I love Christmas films. 
you know, I've, I've, there's a Christmas film that is very close to my heart. It's a film that me and my brother used to watch together, and we, we, we will try to watch it. It was, a, it was a special that BBC did back in 1991. Show my age now. And it's called Bernard and the Genie. It stars Alan Cumming as an antiques art dealer called Bernard, Bernard Bottle, and Lenny Henry as a genie from the lamp. <laughs> And it's hilarious. Only about, only about hundred, not even hundred minutes long. Probably not even, probably maybe seventy-five minutes long. Just a feature-length TV film type thing. It's a phenomenal thing. Bernard and the Genie. You cannot get it on DVD anywhere. You can pick it up and watch it on YouTube. And I shall be doing that on this Christmas day. <laughs> I love Bernard and Genie. But if you're looking at a more traditional Christmas film, uh, I actually watched it last night. The Misses. A Miracle on 34th Street with Dickie Attenborough is right up there. It's such a warming, magical Christmas film. What about you? Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Will you be watching that this Christmas? I will because we've got Disney Plus now and my kids don't deserve to have such beautiful uh, filmography drawn from their lives. My wife is not a, she's not a, a Home Alone fan, nor is she a Jim Carrey fan. It's something that we just cross wires on. Wait, so, sorry, I mean, your, your lovely young lady mm -hmm. is not a Home Alone fan. I know. She doesn't like Home Alone. No, I know. It's mental, isn't it? Like, dislike. No, like, just like, doesn't understand the storyline, doesn't want to, doesn't want to watch it. My good God. I know, because I think she, because she looks at it where her children are her absolutely everything and someone that could leave their child on their own just does not deserve... Well, tell me about Christmas films that she does like. Arthur Christmas. Okay. Elf. Elf. Not a bad film, but Will Ferrell's an acquired taste. I like Elf. Oh, her favourite Christmas film is a recent Netflix film, which is A Christmas Chronicle. Oh, my missus absolutely loves that. Yeah, and they've just released A Christmas Chronicle 2. Not the best renewal, I will no. say such a thing. Renewals I do, are I, tough, though. I do think And that, that is why Home Alone 2 is the greatest, because the 2 is better than the 1, and that is so hard. It is to do, and I believe it's the only Christmas film that features a US president. Yes, yes. Although Robert Reagan would have acted in many. Home Alone 2 is a phenomenal feature. See, Bernard the, see, Bernard the Genie is brilliant. You have to watch it. If you haven't watched it, just YouTube it. Just go ahead and do it. It's a <laughs> But Milk on 34th Street has it all. You know, it's, it's, it's been, that's been redone mm. four times. Yeah, it has, yeah. I, I enjoy Miracle been on 34th Street. Star is born. There's not many Christmas films that I can't watch, to be honest. But yeah, I, um, I adore Home Alone 2. Miracle on 34th Street is also fantastic. I do love Christmas TV, though. Last year we had the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special, which I thought was, was utterly perfect. Question for you. Is Die Hard a Christmas film? No. Of course no. it's not. It's, it's, it's filmed at Christmas. Yes. It doesn't make it a Christmas film. I agree. You know? We can agree on that. You know, many people say it's a Christmas film. You know, they're entitled to their opinions. I disagree. You know, Barack Obama says it's not a Christmas film. Well, there you go. That's, that's good enough for me. Good enough for me. Yeah, I'm, you know, I love Christmas TV, as I said, that Gavin and Stacey last year was a beautiful, beautiful thing. But you can't be a bit of Only Fools, can you? Oh. The Only Fools Christmas specials. My favourite is the one with the Peckham Spring. Yes. I love that. You've obviously got the later renewals, the one with Gary, uh, when they've gone to France and things like that. It's all brilliant. Obviously, this year, TV at Christmas, films at Christmas are going to form a big, big part of everybody's doing this year because mm. there's going to be an awful lot more to do. 
Uh, so tweet in your favourite Christmas films as well. Maybe we'll make up a top 10 of all of our uh, listeners' favourite Christmas films. And if you do think Dial is a Christmas film, don't hesitate to tell us we're wrong. Another thing that I take, I be tins, the tin of chocolate is a Christmas tradition in many a household. Yes. The circular or not so circular tin filled with foil, plasticky covered confectionery goodness. But you actually are normally a man of fine etiquette. Throw it out the window for this situation. I do put wrappers back in the tin. Yeah, which makes you a complete dick. Well, it's there. It's a vessel, you know. I just go unwrap, put it back in. A vessel. <laughs> but they're not made of tin no more, are they? They're made of bloody plastic, and the tins get smaller and smaller and smaller. If you go back to when we were younger, you know, a tin of Quality Street, you know, you had to get that was a free day hit for a family. Oh, but you, you also you had to get another trolley if you were going to buy it at a supermarket. If you do it now, yeah, but that was a, and it used to be sort of that sellotaped kind of cellophane around the edge, you know, making sure it was secured shut. That you needed some sort of uh, knife or scissoring to some um, sort of army implement to, to get through it. But that that I remember, if you still went round to someone's house on the twenty seventh or twenty eighth, and they've got a tin in, you're still getting. A good chunk of choices. Yeah, I mean the menu that they have on Quality Street now. We're gonna put. Are we gonna rank our sweets in a minute? But the menu on Quality Street. You've got the purple one, traditional toffee finger, green triangle, toffee penny, a milk choc block, the orange chocolate crunch, the caramel swell, coconut eclair. There's a new one this year, the chocolate caramel brownie, strawberry delight. I hate a strawberry flavored <laughs> sweet more than I hate an orange flavored sweet. <laughs> Fudge and an orange cream. Now. See, they've even got two orange-flavoured chocolatey things in this. Yes. Now, what is your favourite boxed or tinned chocolate at Christmas, James? What, singular? Well, no, what, what, what variety? Are you a Roses man? Are no. you a Quality Street man? You a cannot, Celebrations? You, well, 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 heroes? You, you can't look beyond Heroes. Anything beyond Heroes is, is completely secondary. So Heroes is your number one? By a mile. It's, it's clear. As soon as you get beyond cream egg, you're like you're into phenomenal selection. I'm a bit shocked that you've rocked out heroes. I mean, they've just re- they've they've recently introduced double decker, which I think is a mishit. But I mean, I like a double decker. Yeah, the mini. But a miniature double decker. A miniature double. It's gonna rip your teeth to pieces. A miniature it's double gonna... decker doesn't quite. I think they leave out the nougat and just have the kind of biscuity part and then chocolate covered. So, so basically, it's, it's half a decker. It's not, it's a single deck. It's a single decker. So it's like getting on a bus that's meant to be a double decker and ended up sitting on the roof. Well, no, the the top floor is closed. There's no top floor. It's out of order. It's not double decker. That's ridiculous. I can't even believe you speak like this. What are your feelings on Ferrero Rochers? I don't mind them. I bloody love them. I play a little game with them. So you get the big box, and you should play this one, people. I, re- I remove the first sweet, the starting sweet, if you will, and just eat that, because why not? But then I set myself a rule. I'm only allowed to eat a Rocher if I'm able to jump over it with another Rocher. Almost going back to a solitaire, Rocher solitaire. <laughs> so you get your, get your square, James, take out the middle one, but you're only allowed to have a Rocher if you jump over it. Bloody excellent game. Now, when you've got your tin of assorted sweets, I didn't ask you yours. What's yours? If you're going out of the main four... Quality Street every day. Fucking nonsense. Yeah, Quality Street's brilliant. I love the Green Triangles. They're called the Green Triangle now. They used to be called back in the day Noisette Triangles. I think you'll lose a few followers off of that. What? Quality Street? Yeah. It says in the name, Quality. 
and also street. Uh, so maybe we won't look at the name too much. Yours says heroes, okay, but miniature heroes. Dwarfed heroes. Hello there, I'm a little hero. Hello, I'm a hero. Whereas mine is, I am quality, but come to my street. Anyway, you lose complete focus on the fact that... So if, you, if you're just having a, you know, Miracourt Medina and it's the heroes versus the quality street... The miracle of Medina! The, yeah. mi the, mir the miracle at mini chocolates at Christmas. A whisper will be everything. Yeah, but it's what it... A know, twirl I... will be everything. And then to compassmentus your toffee arrangements, a fudge is, is of equal ability. But what about the purple sweet, which used to be a Brazil nut in chocolate caramel? And what is it now? A Brazil nut in chocolate caramel, but it's just called the purple one now. Oh, right. They've it got very lazy with their, you know, the um, cellophane with the foil. A, a, Cad a miniature Cadbury's caramel is a fine sweet. See, I don't like Cadbury's caramels. <laughs> Nonsense. A dairy milk outweighs the, the, the chalk block. It just, it just takes a piss on it. Yeah, but they're miniature versions. No, I can so uh, the quality street are miniature versions, you buffoon. No, they're, 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 they're actually they're the proper size. They don't get big ones. You can buy big ones, but the big ones... They do make bigger ones. Yeah, but they make bigger ones of the small ones. Instead of the, the heroes, which is the deflated, minuscule version yeah, so of just the big buy, if you if, if that's where you feel, you just buy a set of, uh, the variety pack, the three ninety nine variety pack, where you get seven bars. Look, I am a massive fan. I think yeah. I had you there. And, and friends of mine who respect the uh, assorted selections of Christmas time on, chocolates. What have you used on celebrations? They're quite good. No, they're poverty. I like a, I like the bounty. You're a clown. Get off. I love bounties. Go home. Do you not like a bounty? No. <laughs> you are a buffoon. The fact that you even... And if, you, if you get a box of celebrations at Christmas, it's normally from an employee who wants your job or hopes you get fired. <laughs> so, uh, Christmas meats. Are you a turkey man, James? Yes. Turkey. What are you going to, do? You, do you have anything alongside the turkey? Do you go gammon? Yeah, big beef. Well, no, it's not some, not gammon. A joint of ham, but uh, you know, a, but a good a roasting joint of ham that will come with a skin that will crackle and have loads of flavour in it. Ooh. And then I will um, occasionally, if we've got a bigger party, obviously not this year, coat de boeuf as well. Coat de boeuf. I love a coat de boeuf. Now. What I do on Boxing Day, Bob, which is why this will have to cut short very soon, is I do a dish on Boxing Day which I can only think the Queen would enjoy. I mean, it is of that quality. Tell me about it. Jamie Oliver's Christmas risotto is one of the finest recipes I have ever followed in my existence. It has half a bottle of Prosecco in it, arborio rice, roasted leeks, the remaining gravy from the day before, which once the risotto rice is made, you create a well of the turkey risotto and the gravy goes into the middle. Then you take the carcass of the turkey, you pull all the remaining skin off with a few sticks of rosemary and some salt. You fry the skin off and it creates almost like a shard, almost like a, a, a turkey prawn cracker, if you will, that kind of texture. And the shards go in and if you've cooked the skin well enough, you will not be eating the risotto with cutlery. You'll simply be serving yourself off of the skin. And this thing with your eyes closed tastes like yesterday in a full Dinner. This is a fine meal. James, I, I, I just, I don't dis disregard what you're eating there, but it's not quite Boxing Day cuisine. There is a good handful of Parmigiano cheese in there. This is, oh, it's a phenomenal so, meal. I'll have turkey, you know, with all the trimmings, uh, roast potatoes, mm. uh, 
Beautiful parsnips. A pig in blanket or a blanketless pig? I'm going to go pig in blanket. I love a pig in blanket. It is it is something that Christmas brings joy. You know, a little morsel. Like. I had pig in blankets on Sunday, actually. I just went in a week early. Oh, you've got to do it. You got. To. So, yeah, uh, so I'll start Christmas Day off. Uh, obviously a cup of coffee or something like that in the morning. I'll, I'll, then I'll, You're I'll, not straight into Buck's Fizz Christmas Day. Bloody Mary, I'll bean. My opening gambit or my gambito is always a Bloody Mary. Got to start with one of them. Stick a celery, the celery salt. It's delicious. the one day a year that Mrs. S fully lets the shackles off. She boozes oh. at breakfast and then until she falls over. Genius. And I enjoy that of her as well. I think it's the one thing to do. So I will be digging into Bloody Mary with my eggs Benedict early doors. Made by your fair hand. Yeah, yeah, all from scratch I've been, you know. Very Clarify good the indeed. butter and all that. Make the hollandaise, beautiful stuff. Before we have the main cuisine and then it'll be champagne, Followed by some some beer, some fine red wine. Just port. I love port. Really? Just drink it and drink it. It's like drink. It's like drinking jam. You know, like jam. <laughs> Robert, tell me about your Christmas cheese choice. Cheese is very important to the to the Howe household. Back in the day when we were unable to, and I, and I mean going back many many years now, not just recently. When we had big family Christmases, obviously a lot, we've lost a lot, unfortunately, in the last yeah. few years. We would, all the men, I was a child, but I would be classed as a man, we would go and inspect the cheese board. <laughs> We'd inspect the cheese board before, but like, as we all got there. And then my uncle, my late great uncle Bob, who I'm named after, would set a timer. And nobody was allowed to eat the cheese until the timer went off. And then we did something horrifically chauvinistic. The women were not allowed to eat the cheese until the men had been to the table. <laughs> that is dreadful. But we did that. We did. We let them have a mini rule, you know, the little garlic swirl cheese or a borsam. We allowed them to have that early doors. But no, but cheeses, you have a, I've got, I've got some lovely Fortnum's Stilton's this year. Uh, just, you just got to go big on cheese. Is Daddy Andy a, f- a phenomenal cheese fanatic as well? He likes cheese. He does. Like, he loves a Dolce Latte or a Gorgonzola. Ooh, to be I fair. enjoy a Dolce Latte. You know, I just think I, I, I just, just enjoy brie. I love brie. The, the, the thing with Christmas is when you get to about the twenty eighth of December, you're sitting there and it's breakfast time, and you're thinking, "What should we have for breakfast today?" I tell you what's for breakfast this morning, darling. What have we got? It's it's a bit of a medley. We've got brie. Served you some cold turkey and trifle. Ha ha, fine cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just all goes out the window at Christmas. I just, I'm really, well. Do you enjoy indulging at Christmas? I think it's the time of year where you, I do all of the cooking. Mm. I do all the cooking, which means that I don't tend to indulge and enjoy my Christmas dinner as much as as how I enjoy it on the when I'm cooking it and having a little morsel here, a little yeah. taste here. And also about an hour later. But I will be really going deep on the uh, the cheeses this year. I'm looking forward to them. I love Christmas. It's a shame it's going to be so hard for everyone this year and challenging. Yeah. You know, I don't... I'm not going to get involved on whether I agree or what I believe. You know, you've got to follow the rules. There's reasons for the rules being in place. We've got to stay alive. No, we've got to have next Christmas, haven't we? You can't ignore the fact that many tens of thousands of people, unfortunately, have lost their lives due to this virus and that the pandemic exists because a virus is real. So I agree. You have to respect the rules. You know, we wish all of our listeners from around the world, you know, as much as a very Merry Christmas, also really stay safe. Be safe at Christmas. These resolutions, James, for Arsenal Football Club. (sighs) 
New Year's resolution. My one New Year's resolution that I hope for Arsenal Football Club is that the club invest in the team appropriately to have it at the level it deserves to be at. My New Year's resolution for Arsenal is that the 11 players on the pitch all give their all. Nice. That's all I want them to do because I don't think they're doing that at the moment. If they can give their all every game, then that's good for me. Do you have a New Year's resolution for yourself? James, I don't think it's fair for anybody to really look at what a New Year's resolution is going to be when, you know, in all due respects, with the life that we're all living, I don't think New Year's is going to be till, oh, really, until April, is it, when we mm. have Easter? So ask me again at Easter, when we do our Easter special with the Easter bunny, I will I will tell you what my resolution is going to be there because at this moment in time... The I, mini egg bar. I, I just think you have to be... Uh, it's Boxing Day, and on Boxing Day, the Cadbury's Cream Egg advert comes out for the first time. Yes, it does. It's an old saying I used to have, or still have, that you can always tell when it's getting close to Christmas because Tesco's have their Easter eggs out. <laughs> yeah. So another thing, won't be able to go to shops this year for sales. There'll be no January sales or... Well, the new normal will be online shopping now. Is there's billions of pounds spent on Christmas online on Christmas Day. Mm. Billions. And there'll be billions spent this year, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I would hope people spend safely, but... I do. Um, I'm, this year's very much made me look at my health. I've lost weight. I've gained weight. I've, I've started a a bit of a weight-losing um, exercise. So um, I, I want... you Seeing people fall ill and reading of stories mentally as well as physically... It's very important for me. I've had a very, very, very long, strenuous work year this year. So it's very important for me to visit my personal health this year. And um, yeah, I, I know it's a bit of a cliche because a lot of people say get fit in January. But um, no, it's uh, it's one that I will... Um, won't be in the gyms. No, I will pay close attention. I'm very fortunate to have all the things I need in my garage. So um, I'll make sure I spend uh, the adequate amount of time in there. Good for you, mate. Cool. But it brings us to a close and... It does. When you're coming to a close on this wonderful Christmas special, I think we should all raise a glass to everybody that we love, to absent friends, whether they be near, far, and just like to wish you a very merry, merry Christmas, James, to you and your kin, and to all of our lovely listeners, again, have a merry Christmas and a happy new year. And let's say goodbye to this Annus Horribilis of 2020. Very nicely put. And a very Merry Christmas to you, Bob and Nicola, mum and dad, and not forgetting my good friend and your brother, Marky, who is probably having a slightly different Christmas this year. And yeah, I'm also extremely grateful uh, for, for everyone that listens in. I hope you're having a fantastic Christmas and festive break and making the most of it as to where you can and what you can. And we'll be back with you very, very shortly. So a Christmas special. I've been Jim. And I've been Bob. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> 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 <laughs>